Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and review the podcast. I said review twice because it is important. So it is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Alexa via TuneIn, Blueberry Stitcher, and anywhere you can find podcasts. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com. Follow the podcast on social media at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to support the show, there's a support tab on the website. Joining me on this very special edition of the About to Review podcast, live from New York City. <laughs> I don't know what accent that was. That was not a New York City accent. Wow. Is I thought you were just being a, a sports like comment, not commentator. What's the guy in the who announcer? The, the ready to rumble guy. Oh, Michael Buffer, yeah, yeah. or his brother, half brother Bruce Buffer, Bruce which is really weird. But yeah, joining me, it's time. <laughs> uh, joining me is Jess from the About to Review, the, the now defunct. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. From the Curly Nerd Podcast. Yes, yes, Jess from the Curly Nerd Podcast, and podcast. and her cohort, best friend, the partner in crime. We're in the cause and a scandal. Ugly toes don't wear sandals. Wow. <laughs> that is I apologize by the way, everybody, this week for the about to review listeners. I lost my voice. I was sick last week. Eh. I had full on laryngitis from sitting outside on a lovely rooftop with my dear friend, the about to review man. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I lost my voice and I should have probably been sitting outside. That, that rooftop night. was gorgeous though. It was. It was, was really nice. nice. Uh, I'm not gonna give them a shout out because they do not need it. They don't. Um but yeah, beautiful views of both bridges, the, wa- mm-hmm. the, the the Manhattan Bridge <laughs> and yep. the the Brooklyn Bridge. There we hey. go. There we go. <laughs> they both they both look the same at night. They absolutely do not during the day Thank or you. at I'm night. Like, what? <laughs> not at all. I'm like, John, come on. Uh, but yeah, so we, I'm recording uh, here in the Curly Nerd Studios <laughs> um, because I'm in New York City after New York City Comic Con. So on this episode. Uh, there will be some interviews that I did with some TV shows. I will get into that a little bit later. Uh, there will be talks of panels that I attended, uh, as well as yeah, just kind of some general thoughts. But the big thing about this, other than New York City Comic Con, we will be reviewing Venom. Yes, we will. Which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we just got out of like thirty minutes ago. So yeah, so that will all be on this episode of the About to Review podcast with Jess and Damien from the Curly Nerd podcast. But first, we'll get into the original theme song created by... <laughs> Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media? hey <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. To get ourselves a treat. First off the bat, so yeah, New York City Comic Con, this is my second year attending this massive, ridiculous Comic Con. I talked to one of the organizers, because they build this as the largest Comic Con in the country. What? By attendance. Oh. Because... Uh, I still don't believe it. I still think San Diego's number one. They said 250,000 people. How many are at San Diego? They said they well because of the cap of the four day passes, it was around like one seventy five to two hundred. Oh, you're kidding! Because with the four day, and uh, this gets into some like 
behind the scenes nitty gritty stuff. The four day passes do not register as many unique uh, sign ins as it oh, were. Oh, okay. Because they do the individual so they can see how many. Exactly. So through. a little okay. bit different. The metric store is weird. It is the same company. Yeah, so it's yeah, still yeah. Read Pop. Read Pop isn't with San Diego company. Oh, no, it is not. No, 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 it's not. That's mm. not I, international. I should, I should not make them you mad. Give, you're giving them extra money for no reason. I know. I was like, yeah, because I'm going to try and get press credentials with San Diego. So sorry about that. Yes. So, yeah, so there's always this weird competition. But yeah, this is a massive Comic Con at the Javits Center mostly. They also have like three offsite. They have the Hulu Theater, Madison Square Garden, Hammerstein, Hammerstein Ballroom. Ballroom. I feel like there was one other. They have the Anime Expo on Pier 94. Right, which I did not even get a chance to go to when I that I wanted to. I didn't even know that was a thing. I it was new this that. year. Oh, Appar- yeah. Apparently yeah. nobody did. Oh, yeah, nobody it was, down there? from what I heard, it was very low attendance. But they put all town. the anime stuff in the main showroom floor. On, on and that was what they were trying to do this year. They were anyways. like, all right, well, this time, you know, we'll give the big showcase here. But for all you anime heads, we'll give you a new thing. You know why and they did that? Because San Diego does it where they put it at the Marriott. Ball in the oh, hotel. do they? Yeah. The anime is in a totally different where like where we used to get our like volunteer and where yeah. you would buy your merch and stuff. Mm-hmm. Your Comic-Con merch. Interesting. It's in a totally different hotel and different rooms. All the anime is totally different. Even when they would do like a showing of some anime film. Uh, yeah, offsite. Cheeky monkey. And from what I heard, at least, like the press industry passes and i think one other type of pass was good for the whole anime fest uh-huh. i'm not sure if it was the same for like the daily ones uh do they, you know they were able to go they were okay yeah, cool they were able to go in the day of they they treated the they treated anime fest or whatever it was called mm-hmm. as part of nycc okay they also had the studios at New York Comic Con, which was a couple blocks away, they had, they had about six offsite locations. That is crazy. That's a lot. Yeah, That's a that lot. is a lot. I mean, again, with Emerald City, even though it is much much smaller, pretty much is central. Yeah, it like is. they might have like one offsite thing um, at the Paramount Theater. Maybe. I was gonna say like yeah. down the street, yeah, a block away, right? But everything is pretty contained. Right. This one, I mean, to walk all the way to Madison Square Garden from the Javits is. Ooh. It's not and close. It's not far, but it's not close. Uh, uh, no, especially when you are lugging, lugging a Pelican yes, case right. with thirty pounds of podcast right. gear. And Hammerstein Ballroom was kind of in between the two. It's kind of yeah. Like that one right. was cl- that was a straight yeah, shot. That's not. But bad. it was the temperature is all right. It was right, like seventy five. Right. The humidity is something. Me being from Seattle is something I do not need to worry right. about. Right. What Gross. About? Right. Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is like. That I, when people always say that, I'm like, well, Seattle has like damp air. It's just, mm-hmm. but it's usually because it's a light drizzle, cloud yep. cover, it's fog. It is not humidity. It's not hot, <laughs> just <laughs> wet air, just moist, all Walk, the moistness. Walking around, like, <laughs> I can just feel it on my hands. Moist. Yeah, it's icky. <laughs> yeah. It's super gross. It was gross, but. Yes, uh, Damien. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm from Houston. I, oh, yeah. You know, I'm just like, whatever. You live in humidity. That's what I'm saying. Right. We I, merely adopted I am the, driest the humidity. person in right. the most humid state. <laughs> he was born in it. You're the driest person in the most humid state. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Ash, Ashy Larry facts, over here. Right. Big facts. <laughs> like he was punching a flower bag. Mr. Pottery <laughs> Knuckles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, so, yeah. So, my overall kind of thoughts on New York City Comic Con, as big as it is, and as crazy it is to walk around with a big case and everything, it still is structured pretty well. Definitely better than last year. Artist Alley last year, because of construction and whatever, they were just shoved down in the basement in a small area. Yeah. Which was so trash, because the year before, it wasn't that way. Right. Yeah, this year, Artist Alley was huge. 
it was in a big area and right along the wall they had like the cgc guys there so the nerds could buy the books and then go down there and be like i want to get this pressed no you're not cgc is dumb yeah i said it anyway they're not sponsoring this podcast i don't even know what that is when you get it like the hard case and it is graded at the top and it yes. is sealed yes mm-hmm. that is cgc comics grading company Oh yeah, it's a scale. It it, it is weird. Yeah, the more you know. Yeah, the more you know. Um, if my editor could drop that in, let me write in the time cut. No. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. Um, but yeah, so th- right along the wall, they would have the CGC guys and the people selling like the art tubes and this hard right. sleeves. Yeah, I got you. Okay, that makes total yeah, it makes sense because so it is like yep. pick that up, pick yep. up your print or whatever, slip it in there, good to go. Uh, the cosplay was crazy new york comic-con i think is the best of all the cons for cosplay oh you think so i think so out of all of them san diego's not that great i would agree emerald city's fun but it's like but the large costume like the large costumes (laughs) that i see at nycc are unlike anything that i see the woman who was completely naked and just had body paint on uh no you have to be more specific there were a few of those there was there were some poison ivies that there were about it was more like an eve she was wearing the um what does chris rock call them the plastic shipper platform pumps oh the clear heels she was wearing those okay body paint glitter Mm mm-hmm pasties nope just body paint oh and she had the I can't. This is a kid's show, right? This is a PG-13 show. Oh, the PG-13? Yeah. <laughs> Jess is really trying to... I'm like, what's the best way I can describe the way she looks without body shaming? Um. <laughs> gotcha. It's good. Uh, yeah, it wasn't no, good. I, I definitely, wasn't good. I definitely did not see that. Yeah, she was, I was like, oh my God, is she actually naked? Because I don't body shame. It's Comic-Con. The thing I love about Comic-Con is everyone really can like live in their truth. Yep. You can yeah, express absolutely. yourself. You can wear whatever costume. Regardless of your, your shape, your size, mm-hmm. your race, ethnicity, yep. religion, whatever Gender, it is. I mean, like, I saw some. Yeah, gender, gender. I saw these three people dressed as the Belcher children from Bob's Burgers, adults. The two guys were dressed as Tina and Luis, and then nice. the girl was dressed as what is the son's name? Uh, I forget. I can't think of his name either. Wearing the the hamburger that he wears, I nice. thought that was so great. But yeah, so I never am one of those people who's just like, haha, look at that girl. She shouldn't be wearing that. Right. I'm like, good for her. Wear a Comic Con. Wear whatever you want. This girl was naked. Yeah, that is. And again, to me, my own puritanical bias. I'm like, there are kids around. Like that, and again, the, New York is definitely different with that. Emerald City, very family friendly. It is the Northwest. New York, it is a different ballgame. But what I think For was sure. was cool is, and I've, I meant to put this in a tweet. I probably will by the time this episode drops. There is more diversity and representation in one subway car in New York oh, than sure. in all of Seattle. Right, That's and so why I also seeing NYCC is so diverse. Yeah, and one that like seeing cosplay. I saw um, there was a storm in a hijab. Like, nice. That was really cool. And just, again, seeing more diversity, not just in the kind of cross plays, you know, and yeah. the types of characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you're saying, with religions, with ethnicities, mm-hmm. like that is unique to you. Were New st- York. You were standing next to a guy in a Wonder Woman outfit. Yeah. A very good Wonder Woman outfit. A very good one. Was it his feet were bleeding? And oh, his shoes were hurting this poor so bad. Guy. So I have a few cosplayers, like very high level cosplayers who listen to the show. I really wish I had one of their cards to give to this poor man. So he made this Wonder Woman Gal Gadot, you know, costume. Mm-hmm. He was in 
like physical pain. And I was like, do you want to sit down? He was like, I can't. He couldn't sit down. He was like, I can't sit down in this. My bodice doesn't allow blah, blah. And he was like, and when I took my shoes off last night, it took off a layer of skin. And I was like, bro, it is not worth it. He was, but it was like something about like the fit of the boots or the heat. I'm like, you should have worn like some cottony dry fit Nike tube socks. You know what I mean? Some thick socks. That's what I wear in boots like that. No one can see them if they're white, but you get that extra cushion so your feet don't hurt. Yeah, it was. Poor guy. And I mean, I'm just standing next to him in line for a panel and I'm just like, man. I asked him, I said, so you you made this suit, but you didn't make it so that you could sit down. He was just like, well. (laughs) That that was an afterthought. Amateur. Right. So yeah, cosplay was just out of control. There was a a storm, a clone trooper with like an AT-AT on top of it mm-hmm. with BB-8 on top of that. What was the one that you posted? I saw it as well and it was like a bunch of grass or... Uh, that would be Swamp Thing. Oh, that was that was Swamp Thing? He didn't look like Swamp Thing though. It looked just like... It was, it was Swamp Thing. <laughs> but it just not, like I, the, but the grass was like sticking this yeah. way. Yeah. Well, Swamp Thing is at a bunch of different iterations. Oh, um, Swamp I mean, Thing to me is like mucky yes. and kind of, no and that was like i was like what is that supposed no, to be? no i mean he is part of the green and so he can right. communicate i mean I he can take a bunch right. of different forms i saw like totoro and i saw mm-hmm. swept away what's the the spirit creature from swept away it's just like do- the no the no uh spirited away, spirited away i mean what's the with the white mask and it's just black is that from spirited away yes and i can't remember them yeah, yeah that I, was cool and it was really tall yeah there was yeah, a guy in a really dragon cool. like a, a foam dragon i, saw, I watched him like getting into it it took him like 30 minutes to get into the thing. Mm-hmm. And with with New York, different from Emerald City and like Rose City and Renton City Comic Con, New York, there are actually some places where if you want to stand in your costume and you know you're going to be standing there for 20 to 30 minutes, there are some area, there's some nice areas for that. Yeah. Yeah. Emerald City, if, if a cosplayer, once they stop, people are not happy and they're trying to like go around. Yeah. New York, they're like, I'm all right, this is people. right. <laughs> but like Javits Center is big enough where yeah. they're like, okay, if this person stops, there's enough room around. Mm-hmm. So I think with the large theater presence in New York City, yeah. I think a lot of that translates over kind of into the cosplay culture as well. For sure. And they kind of understand those boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, so the interviews that you will hear a little bit later. So unlike some of my other Comic Con coverage, where I try to highlight, you know, some artists and kind of those like indie creators. I just did not really have time to do that this year. Mm-hmm. So you will hear interviews with the cast of Origin, which is a new show on YouTube. I'm not sure if they're calling it YouTube Red or YouTube Premium. Uh, it is a new horror show. This like far-flung adventure, hello, chilling adventure in space. Do you have mm-hmm. to pay for it? Yes. Oh. Uh, so I was able to watch the first few episodes. What did you think? It is legitimately creepy, and for a YouTube show, I was impressed. I mean, we saw what Oat Studios been doing. I mean, they have more money than these people do, yeah. but yes. No, it was really good, and so I had the chance to interview Tom Felton, Natalia Tana, uh, Sen Mitsuji, the showrunner, Mika Watkins, and Philip Christopher. So that I can't wait to hear there. that interview. Like, that was... Like, I don't know the questions you asked Tom Felton. So, and also, <laughs> one, one thing with these interviews, unlike other cons that I've done... These are roundtable interviews with multiple press out- outlets. Okay. So some of the interviews you will hear are very short because yeah. we were allowed one question and maybe two if it was a short answer. So some of these are going to be a little bit short. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really cool. Like Tom Felton, really cool guy. Natalia Tenna, 
uh, Tonks from Harry Potter was awesome. Like mm-hmm. she was really cool. At the end of it, I told her I was like, hey, you know, the episode is going to be dropping this week. Um, I gave her my business card. I was like, yeah, I will tag you. She was like, oh yeah, I'm at Natalia. And I was like, I know who you are. Right, right, right. But I really like it when celebrities do that. They always assume that you know everything about them. Yeah. So that was really cool. So that would that will be Origin. And then I also had the chance to interview cast creators um, of the TV show Lore, which is going into its second season on Amazon Video. So I talked to showrunner and creator Gail Ann Hurd, Howard T. Owens, Sean Crouch, the podcast creator Aaron Mankey, who then is a creative involved or creative producer, executive producer on the show, uh, Josh Bowman, Thomas Kretschmann, Alicia Witt, Ellie Haddad. <laughs> So yeah, it was just these huge press rooms uh, where, yeah, it was just a bunch of us doing questions. So a little bit different format from my other con coverage. But yeah, look forward to those a little bit later. The panels that I saw this year, this is the first con where I made the time to go see like the top tier panels. Good for you. Like, And I know that was something that just like in San Diego, like you would go to like the Aquaman ones, like the big the WB panel, sir. The WB the, panel. It would be studio panels. Yes. That's not the Aquaman panel, this guy. Well, I know, but that, I was no. giving an example. I'm trying to shortcut no. you. Yeah, sure is. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I went, and I went to the Sony panel. Right. And I went to... Thank you. Sir. She's been to Marvel panels. Ma- yes. Hello. Mm, yeah, I am aware. Actually, mm-hmm. But those are something that I just, I never really made the time for at other right. cons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This year, I really wanted to go see like the top tier stuff. Well, cause your thing is you're just trying to run around and get your interviews. Exactly. And this yeah. time I was like, make, well make time. For yeah. Like actually enjoying the con. Yes. Yeah. That I, I'm just, I'm still trying to find the balance of that. Uh, but I saw the Netflix and chills panel, like basically their lineup of new spooky or darker shows. Mm-hmm. So umbrella Academy, which, which I know I you two yeah, are my fave. big fans of listen to that <laughs> comic book of the week from like last year or yeah. something like it was a while ago. It's my fave. Uh, so Umbrella Academy, the whole cast was there. Yeah, uh, nice. Ellen Page was there. That was really, Mary J. Blige, which which is yeah. amazing. I love you. Know, as soon Mary. as she came up on stage, like everybody lost their minds, and I was like, at Comic Con, like good for you guys. Did she, I know. Did you do the dance at all? No, no. Come on now. <laughs> I really, I was like, who's that with the hair? You're like Mary J. Blige. I'm like, oh my god, it is. <laughs> yeah. I love Mary. Yeah, and she. I mean, yeah, she looks amazing. Yeah, I love Mary. Um, so, so yeah, so I watched that. That was Umbrella Academy, The Haunting of Hill House which comes out in like a week hmm. looks super creepy. And again, like these Netflix shows for a while there, it was just, they were just throwing everything out there. They're just like, Hey, look content. That's why they made fun of it on South park. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I that's why that was a South park joke when the kids were trying to do Coon and friends and all the TV shows. Right. <laughs> Remember? Yeah. Cause Netflix, they, Cartman said Netflix is giving a show to anyone. Yeah. So let's take advantage of this. Yep. That's what they, yeah. So I feel like we're kind of entering like that second age or like second chapter of Netflix's shows right. where they're getting just yeah, quality. quality. Uh, like, not that the what quality wasn't there before, but it was just so much. Yeah. What was the percentage of actual quality? It was more qua- quantity than quality. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Now I think they realize people love watching Netflix shows. Yeah. And they invest that time and, you know, let's, why don't we just give them some really good ones? Because, yeah. I mean, we have, some of us have been suckered into, like, watching some shows we don't really like. We were like, this actually isn't really good. Why am I still watching this? Yeah. yeah. You know? But it's on Netflix and you're like, I it's might free. as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is I there. I mean, not free, but, yeah. yeah it's so, Haunting there. of Hill House, like, super excited for that one. Looks really creepy. The one that I was most excited for in this four kind of show block of Netflix and Chills 
the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Mm. So how was that panel? Because I that like I don't. What's the whole deal? Like what's so with the that. Story? So on the panel, it was just two people. Mm-hmm. It was Lisa Henson, the daughter right. of Jim Henson. Oh, that's his daughter. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Louis or Louis Alletterer, mm-hmm. okay. uh, who is the director. Okay. So this is a prequel to Dark Crystal. A oh. lot of the stories. Nice. So the, the Gelflings past, aren't like extinct. No, this is their story. So oh. and it was really cool. For the past like decade at least, every year or so we hear rumblings of like Ugh, dark crystal remake or dark right. crystal sequel or this and that legitimate like they're like no like we just wrapped like two weeks ago nice so in the dark crystal in the original movie uh the gelflings come upon like this stone wall yes like talks about the the old days like the yes. chronicles yes. Yes. yes this is that story cool nice. so like there were multiple gelfling societies that they showed like little clips of like again like they just wrapped so it was not like we saw the first episode it was like right no we saw like a behind the scenes thing it looks incredible all puppets, puppets in the, okay, no I was C- ask you that. well no cgi but they're using it like the happy time murders cgi mm-hmm. which is they have a puppeteer mm-hmm. in a green screen in a green suit like a Understood. morph suit so you can't see him behind yep, the puppet but they're okay. the way that they can articulate the puppets because of that yeah and then they just chroma key out yeah. the person that's awesome like i Puppets are so great. That was one where I, like, I'm watching this and immediately I was like, this is going to be my favorite show of 2019. Right. It's going to be like, it's like Better Call Saul. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's like this amazing show and then it created another amazing-er show, yeah. Yeah. but a prequel that's amazing-er. Yeah. That is going to be pretty crazy. Because I love Dark Crystal. Yeah. One of my favorite movies. It, yeah. it was one of the first movies as a child that legitimately scared me a little bit. Yeah, uh, the Skeksis and the, the crazy spider yeah. Like, Well, they had the Beatles that were terrifying with like yep. the blade arms, like yep. Scyther and Gen yep. 1 Pokemon. Yep. Uh, oh, I wonder if that was yeah. where they got it from. The Pokemon idea? Well, no, the Scyther from Gen 1 Pokemon. He was the praying mantis. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They yeah. got it from. I mean, looks, yeah, who, knew, yeah, who knows? I can, I can see that. You never know. Um, Damien just. I was like, yeah. what is that? <laughs> It it's is a, a pocket monster. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Pikachu. It, good job. Close. Uh, but the only episode or the only show that we saw full episode was, of was the chilling adventures of Sabrina. How'd you feel about that? I used to love Sabrina Teenage Mutant. It, it's the daughter from Mad Men, right? Uh, what? The, the daughter from Mad daughter Men is Sabrina, Mad right? Oh, Sabrina. yeah, I guess she is. Okay. That was, I was like, from Mad Men, I was like, that was a, that yeah. was a jump. Um, yeah, it, it looks interesting. It definitely looks creep. This is not the Sabrina. It's basically like they, they did with Riverdale, right? They took all exactly. the characters from like the Archie comics and made yep. it to be more mature, like more adult. Even though mm-hmm. it's like young adult, it's still like adult themes. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing. Sabrina and Teenage Witch was such a great, cute, fun show. And now it's like this dark. Is, yeah, this, this is not it's that. Like, it's, they're trying to make it more like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, a little bit. And like yeah. there were some like creepy images in this. I mean, there she has to sign a pact with... She's coming up on her 16th birthday, and that is when you have to choose either to be a human and not do any witchy stuff, or literally sign a deal with the devil. To be Oh, like, that sounds put, like write, a show I'm going to watch. Write your name in Ooh, blood. Out. It's not going to yeah, be a show I'm going to watch. It was weird, and there was one scene in particular that actually disturbed me. She has this vision. She is in the bathtub, and then she has this like crazy vision where she is in kind of a hell thing. But we see her come out of the bathtub, even though it is in shadow, and kind of like walk away and I'm like she is 15 
Like we were talking about her 16th birthday in a week. Okay, so funny that you say that because right away I'm like, this is she, uh, this a scene with a teenage. Immediately I'm thinking to myself, this is a scene with a teenage girl in a bathtub. Yeah, what and is this the, show rating? I mean, it is not sure. So I mean, it's, they do not no have to. They don't really do ratings. Yeah, probably gonna but be like TV 14 or something like that. But yeah, don't yeah, teenage so girl. That was just the, the rest of it. Like the tone, I was like, all right, whatever. That specific scene, I was like. It just made me feel uncomfortable. I was yeah, like, you're like, eek. Bleh. Yeah, because we've we been spending all this time with her being like, oh, my 16th birthday is coming up. And then we see her naked walking away. And it was like, no. Nope. Nope. So that, that was that. just kind of weird. But the show itself yeah. looks solid. Um, I actually know the woman who plays Sabrina's mom in this and some flashbacks. Uh, Vancouver-based actress. She was really cool. So, yeah, those are Netflix and chills. Uh, I saw the She-Ra Princess of Power mm-hmm. panel. This was one, like, I was already excited for it because it just looked different and whatever. Sold. Absolutely sold. Is it? Is it? Is it kind of on the, the Teen Titans Go Kick? Like, no. Like, More on the Voltron. Happy. Okay. So you can tell that, like, the, there are going to be some kid jokes, but it is going to have a depth of characters and writing mm. that actually is compelling. Okay. So I'm down for that. They showed us, like, four three-minute clips. Is Orga going to... Well, Orca, oh, Orca was in He-Man. Okay, so uh, She-Ra's little creature. Snarf. Nope. The, Snarf? That was Thundercats. Boy. I, know, I was like, is that about Thundercats? Man, no. Uh, she-Ra did have a little uh, magic person, too, but I cannot remember that character's name. I did not see that so far, which is a good thing. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, they showed like four three-minute clips, which is 12 minutes. I'm like, your episodes are 22 minutes. Just give us the pilot episode. Right. You might as well just show the whole episode. Yeah. Right. But the cast is there, like a bunch of young kids like, sold uh, different body types, shapes, sizes, colors, all on board. So that was neat. Um, I actually got to see that one with uh, Joe and Brandon. Shout out to them. Oh, the geeks. The our, geeks. Our, our geek friends. So that was the, the nice. Joe's who I was with at San Diego Comic-Con. Yes. Uh, the big ones that I saw other, other than those two. Daredevil. Mm. How was the Daredevil panel? Oh boy. It's going to be good. D- Honestly, it reminded me. It reminded me of Daredevil season one so much that I forgot about everything else. Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, like forget wow. all of those. Really? Because on- if I'm being honest, the only show that I like on Marvel of all the uh, Netflix, all the Marvel shows is Daredevil. Daredevil yeah. It's the only one I really like. I mean, this looks incredible. They revealed that the main bad guy, which was the least... Like the worst, like everyone secret, knew, yeah, uh, is Bullseye, right? Everyone, yeah. he's sitting up there with the thing. <laughs> yeah, which was funny. One of the actors yeah. uh, came over and like drew a circle on it, but that was the first time officially. Yeah, they said that he is playing Bullseye. Spoiler alert! It, lo- I mean, they showed us one fight scene between the two of them, but, like that three-minute fight scene, mm. better than any fight choreography in any of the Marvel shows, Ooh. flat out. Um, no, Vincent D'Onofrio. He was there. He was there. He was there. Uh, he is a big man. Yeah, he is. He uh, didn't used to be, but man, he got big. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it just, I, I'm so on board for that. That drops October 19th. That's right. Ready for it. Yeah. You know what's so funny? Someone on Twitter said that they wish, they're like, man, I wish that Vincent D'Offrey was such a great kingpin. I just, I wish that we could see him, like, in a Spider-Man movie. And, yeah. And his, he replied to him and said, who says you're not? I was like, I was like, anybody else see this tweet? Anybody else see this tweet? But Tenofrio just said, there might be a chance. I'm going to read into this. I'm going to read too much into this and say there might be a Kingpin in a Spider-Man movie because 
he's such a good villain. He belongs in the he actual really is, Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. Well, not his thing is with Daredevil. I mean, he, we might be a little bit biased because he was the first of these shows, but it flat out is the best it of, is the of best, all of them. But also, the ca- they 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 pick the cast really really yeah. well. They Except for Karen, cast. and I think it's it, I think she's of, so bloody annoying. Karen of the four is the best overall character she's as well. Trash. Yeah, I mean, leave leave a. She has no chemistry with anyone else on the show. Nothing. All the other people have chemistry. Electra, every single person mm-hmm. has chemistry. And she has no she chemistry. Has what bothered me? Ugh, what bothered me on this on the panel because she was there. And they're like, you know, somebody oh, asked. Was. Somebody asked. Did you go boo? Queen. Somebody asked. Boo the, this woman. <laughs> boo her. <laughs> the queen of slime. The queen of refuse. The queen of putrescence. That was a Princess Bride reference. Uh, anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she was up there, and she was like, "Yeah, you know, this season we get to explore more of Karen's backstory." No. Why? We don't. No one asked. They were teasing her backstory in season one. That means and it went it. nowhere. That, and this is the thing. This is what Marvel or what Netflix always says. You give us too many episodes. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Just give take it her episode out. Yeah. Take her whole, like, take the whole, because, I mean, they really, they were like, yeah, we get to know more. And it was like, if you tease an episode in season one, you don't give us anything more in season two, drop it. Leave it alone. It Nobody cares. Yeah. We don't care. No. That was just weird. Nobody um, cares. Because you know it won't be a critical part of the story. No. At all. It's just filler. It's fluff. Yeah. But the thing with Daredevil, like, when it comes to his villains, like with Kingpin, Kingpin was a great threat because even though Daredevil was a better fighter, just hands down, Kingpin is so much stronger and physically imposing. Right. That takes him out of the fight with Bullseye. Watching them go toe to toe, I mean, it just it was mm-hmm. it was incredible. Yeah, even the Kingpin as a character, like in the new Spider-Man game, so he's mm. he's like the villain, kind of the main right, villain. Right. You're starting the game out, and even still, when you see him. You know how powerful and strong Spider-Man yeah. is, but he has, it's like all these henchmen you're fighting. Every level, I'm like, God, it's, and it's like wave four is coming. You're like, ah, oh, more Kingpin's henchmen. Right. So it's kind of funny to me, even comic book universe, video game universe, mm-hmm. and then even the Netflix universe, Kingpin is a really good villain. And a I think they, they chose an excellent actor to play that villain. Yep. Vincent D'Onofrio is awesome. Yep. Even though he will always be the bug from Men in Black for me, but you know. Sugar. And, and water, water. <laughs> oh he'll always be uh private gomer Powell from uh <coughs> damien is old heavy metal jacket uh full metal jacket full metal jacket heavy i was like what is heavy metal You're jacket? heavy metal the animated yeah I'm like he was in he was in heavy metal like that was uh, he born heavy metal was an overrated cartoon also by the way Ooh, shots fired yes at a cartoon from 1976 it. oh really don't waste it, time. From a cartoon from the seventies that like it wasn't weird. like an adult cartoon. It was, it's and they made weird. fun of it, it on South Park weird. with the mammaries and all that. Yeah, it's super yeah. weird. Uh, but yeah, so Daredevil panel, huge highlight. The Hellboy panel in the morning. How was that? They showed some footage that they're not going to be releasing for a while. Unlike some of these other ones, when like, what do you think? Literally after Daredevil, they're like, "Here's the clip or part of a clip." Hellboy looks really interesting. It is not the Del Toro. Hellboy. What do you mean by that? Hmm. The physical... Stri- so, first of all, Harbor, all three of us in this room know, David Harbor is much bigger than Ron, Ron Perlman. Perlman. Yeah, Ron Perlman's a good 5'8". That is correct. She said he has that massive head, so it makes him look appear right. bigger. Yeah, yeah. And the, the way that they shoot him. Yeah. Right. Very, yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. up angles. Yeah. David Harbor is a big dude. Right. Yeah. So, his Hellboy, and I will not really go into too many spoilers, but this is... He's kind of a quote-unquote younger Hellboy, so he has more hair. Yeah. Uh, not really in the samurai top knot. Yeah. His face is thinner and the prosthetics are different, which actually looked 
really cool. It doesn't have that super glossy right. red shine. Which is cool because in the comic book, he doesn't, he's not so wide in the face either. Right. Yeah, like he is yeah. very, not gaunt. Gaunt is not the right, but thinner. Yeah. And that more allows. Like, it's like the angles are always more chiseled looking yeah. in the comic book. So sure. like, so they do, they make him look more like the comic book character yeah. as opposed to the Del Toro. Well, and Harbor, because of that, the, I mean, it is hard to say less makeup because he is still literally head to toe covered in makeup. But he is allowed to emote a lot better. More, yeah, because yeah, that That's makes good. sense too. Because yeah, Ron Perlman's face is a little more yeah. stiff. Yeah, so that looks really cool. Some of the other stuff they do showed, we still get the Abe Sapien and the are we still getting so that? somebody asked him about asked him about that and Harbor was like I really really want to say something but Lionsgate told me I cannot. Oh, okay, but you do see the BPRD logo. I'm just gonna ask you about BPRD. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see Daniel Day Kim. Uh, is in this as well. I don't know who that is. Uh, from he was in Lost. Yeah, he's been in a bunch him. of stuff. Who is that? The one Asian guy from Lost. I was just gonna say yeah. he's Asian because Kim yeah. is like yeah. a Korean name. Yep. Yes, oh, okay. Uh, so he is Hawaii in it. Five-o. Uh, Hawaii Five O. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mila Jovovich is in it. She was yes. not. She was not there. <laughs> Damien and I. This is this is our problem. One of our problematic bays, as in we see everything that she is in. She is still not good. She's not good. That's why I'm making this face right now. I'm just like, why does she need to be in it? But she is I, one of the greatest action heroes of our time, though. She is solid. Don't sleep. Yeah. As I avoid eye contact. Please continue, John. <laughs> yeah. So Emily Blunt is better. She, she is in this. Oof. Kate Beckinsale is better. Oh no. Action I, hero. I, I disagree with Kate Beckinsale. That sounds like a future episode of About to Review hey, on the Curly Nerd Podcast. Em- Emily Blunt was great in uh, Dying Another Live, Day. Repeat. Live, yeah, Live, Die, Repeat. Slash Die Another Day. That's the future Curly yeah. Nerd episode. Best female action heroes. Okay. We'll Cynthia Rothrock. It uh, will Michelle always Yeo. and forever be 100% Angela Bassett because she was able to beat up Ike Turner in the back of that limo. <laughs> Oof. As a superhero right there. And then she slams the car door and it shatters. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that was what's love got to do with it, folks. Yes, yes, <laughs> Talk it to was. your parents about that. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm excited for the Hellboys. Some of the stuff they showed did not hook me right away, but I'm already in the bag for this. Right, movie. for sure. You know what we'll be, we'll be there. Um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. And uh, the woman from American Honey, uh, Sasha Mitchell, I think. I don't. Is in this? No, that. This is like her second movie. Not sure what that is. Uh, Good for her. This this will be interesting because this is kind of her first kind of bigger thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then Doctor Who. I saw that panel. Yeah, the the simul the, the simul cast. cast. I watched it at home on yeah. my couch. Uh, of the first episode of the new season, Jodie Whittaker was in attendance. The president of BBC America was awesome. was the moderator of the panel, and it was like that's wow. amazing. Uh, so that was really cool. Uh, I'm excited for the new season. I am too. I'm gonna warm up to her because the first time I saw Matt Smith, I didn't like him. You know, I started watching with Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, and then I thought David Tennant was kind of obnoxious, and then I fell in love with David Tennant. Tennant is the best. (laughs) And then I thought that Matt Smith was kind of obnoxious, and then I was like, "Who's David Tennant?" No, I love Matt Smith. I didn't really care for Peter Capaldi because he was trying too hard. I didn't like his companion, so I stopped watching when Peter Capaldi. Right now that what's the actress's name? Judy Whittaker. Now that she's the the doctor, same thing. I was like, she's a little obnoxious right now. But I'll, I'll warm up to her because I thought every doctor was obnoxious when they first regenerate. Yeah. I mean, it. there was a weird tone to it. And then she has like super jokey jokey and whatever. Then she almost kills a guy. Yeah. And I was like, is this the tone that we were doing? Because Tennant did that uh, with the uh, the Roscon, like the giant spider people in the center of the earth. Like he murdered a bunch of those creatures. And Billy Piper was like, 
um what is going on so like it, it would be interesting to see kind of her tone right. and what you know what I thought was interesting, though? Mm-hmm. I don't even know if this is even appropriate to have on to this conversation, but I'm going to say it anyways. Oh, boy. I was reading where they were saying that, because I always liked how inclusive I felt British TV shows are, like in Doctor Who. And oh, absolutely. Like, it's always nice to see like people of color um, on these shows, like The Companion is a black person, and I thought that was great. And, you know, and I, even like um, Billy Piper, uh, what was, uh, Rose? What's Billy Piper's character? Rose, yeah. yeah, Rose, thank you. Her little boyfriend, Mickey. Yeah. You know, Mickey like, I great. thought that was great that they always were inclusive. Mm-hmm. But I was interesting watching this very first episode of this new Doctor mm-hmm. Who. They said that they put black characters on shows, but they never have parents and they never show any of their background story. You mm-hmm. never saw Martha's parents. You never really saw any of the, You know, you never saw any of that stuff. And so then this episode today, mm-hmm. the boy didn't have parents. Nope. But and then he has, a, his, he has his nan, mm-hmm. and then something happens to his nan at the end. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? I was like, oh my God, they just did what I read in that article about it, what they do to black characters mm-hmm. on it was, it was interesting. British TV shows. And that is that is a good point, because at the end of what we saw, and I'm not sure if it was the same at the, the simulcast. I did. I they, watched it the same time as you guys. Well, no, it they, came on at 145 yeah, or something. Did they yeah. show at the end of it, like the upcoming cast members? Uh, I fell asleep. Okay. So like they they did basically like, <laughs> wow. wow they did like a quick like one shot of some of the new cast that is going to be in it. Uh, did you guys have as many commercials as we did? Ours was straight through. Straight through. Yeah, that's not fair. We yeah. it was a commercial every two seconds at the Jeez. weirdest spots. Ours was straight a commercial through. every two seconds. Uh, Alan Cumming is going to be in an episode this season. Oh great, sold coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's sold. great. Yep, he's I great. I love that guy. But the cast, like the upcoming cast, a lot of diversity. That's great. So. But I mean, Doctor Who's always been pretty diverse, though. Yeah. I mean, in the past, like, 10 years, it's been really diverse. Yep. So Doctor Who, I'm on board. I think this will bring a new audience. Right, I think so, too. Just like every new Doctor, but it brought me back. Yeah. I mean, after Capaldi, I know a lot of people, I mean, yeah, like you, they Capaldi did not really resonate yeah. with I, them. Honestly, I just didn't care for his companion. I don't even know her. She was annoying me to me when she was in with Matt Smith. Oh, really? Yeah, I couldn't stand her. She was so bloody annoying. Okay. I never liked uh, Rose, though. Rose is annoying. <sighs> I hated Rose because she was just so obsessed with being in love with a doctor. Like I, yeah. Donna was my favorite, and a lot of people love like Donna because Donna was like, "You are too skinny for me." Mm-hmm. Like she's like, "I'm not interested." Like I liked that. I'm like, "Can't we have like a strictly platonic mm-hmm. male female relationship?" I'm sorry. I'm so so sorry. Like the doctor Donna stuff ripped me in half. Yeah, the one of my clients used to say to me that Ugh. his his catchphrase was, "I'm so so sorry." Yeah, brutal. Yeah, so good. Uh, so yeah, Simon board that. So yeah, those were the main panels uh that i saw it was really cool um i picked up some original art uh from aaron campbell who's the artist for infidel so shout out to him uh, he did an awesome shadow piece for me on 9 by 12 picked up some rocky horror picture show comic books that i had only ever seen like screenshots of so they did a three-part miniseries picked that up oh that's cool you need more comic books you don't have you, you have plenty of space at your um i also picked up uh, Captain America 117, <laughs> which I'd been looking for forever. First Prince of the Falcon. Baller. Uh, and then X-Men 100 and X-Men 201. What is special had... about those two X-Men? Oof. So X-Men 201, that was when Cyclops and Storm were fighting over who gets to lead the new X-Men. It was before Chris Claremont took over and the new X-Men team was formed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in issue 210, I want to say. So, And then issue 100, it was basically, again, it was old team versus new team. Okay. So... Yeah, it was after cool. Giant Size X-Men number one. But anyway, yeah, picked up those books. It was pretty cool. 
Are you guys ready to talk about Venom? (laughs) Um, Sure. (laughs) Let's go. So Venom. uh, Is a movie that happened. Is is a movie that happened. It tells a very unique story having to do with the symbiotes, not symbiotes, which after the first trailer dropped like eight months ago, they changed that with the quickness. Because in the first trailer, they're like, we call them symbiotes. Mm -hmm. I was like, nope, nobody does. Nobody does. Well, somebody does. Well, they were wrong. Whoever said it was wrong. And they changed like, and if you noticed during the movie, every time they said it, it was dubbed. Like it was a little bit of difference. Really? The symbiote. There was only one time when it was a straight on shot of the person's mouth that I could tell it was symbiote. Yeah. Almost every other time it was someone in the background. So, Hmm. so it tells the story of this alien parasite crash landing on not even crash landing. I mean, they brought it from space. It ended up in a crash on Earth. And it was like, how did that thing just start falling apart at the yeah. seams coming through? Yeah. It was it was weird. Uh, it gets attached to Tom Hardy. He then... That's not how it starts. Well, I, I'm saying like stuff in the trailer. Oh, you know? oh, 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 oh. Yeah, it gets attached to Tom Hardy. He goes on an adventure with it. Um, and, going on an adventure. Yeah, except it was not that fun. Yeah, like, it wasn't like, like Bilbo. Hobbit. Yeah. And yeah, and then Riz Ahmed plays the, the, the evil Ahmed. corporate genius who wants to use the symbiotes for us the, to go the, to space. The Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, Which is not believable at all. At all. Like his, his whole character's motivations and he was a super genius from the age of 14. He had this gene cell therapy and then at 24, he had the, I just don't believe in it. We did not get enough of that. Right. We didn't get enough of anything. Oh, that is that is quite right true. Right away, when we get Eddie Brock, she's like, Eddie Brock, you lost your job at the Daily Planet, or not Daily Planet, Daily Bugle. They Daily told Globe, the Daily Globe. Daily Globe. Daily, Globe. Daily Bugle. Daily uh, Globe. They don't, they don't even own it. Yep. 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 They, so, so, so we all kind of know what, this yeah. is what it's supposed to be. You were in New York. Yeah, which is also weird because they had to, having a Venom story without Spider-Man is weird in general. Of having course. a Venom story set in San Francisco right. is also weird, but they were right. like, Oh, well, I, I'm from New York, and I still have currency in New York, cause blah blah. But I moved to San Francisco after I lost my. Because like, my girlfriend here. <laughs> what? Yeah. The girlfriend who moved on with quickness. But I mean, uh, some women off. do. Was, that was her house. Some women do. The, right away when the movie started, I, I said to Damien, "I go, I already don't believe this movie. That's a three million dollar townhouse. Mm-hmm. A journalist and a lawyer can't afford that. She's not Francisco. a partner. No. She's not a partner at the firm. She's just a lawyer." She's one of the team of lawyers. Mm-hmm. She ain't making enough money to afford a three or afford, especially at the end of the movie when I saw that they had a garage or middle. I was like, I'm, yeah. I look at Damien and go, it has a garage. Yeah, yeah. No one, unless someone handed it down. You know, how some of these rich folks do hand down mm-hmm. houses to their legacy kids. houses. And, yeah, yeah, I'm like, nobody in San, excuse me, San Francisco can afford to live in that place. No, but until unless like, you're Riz Ahmed. Right, which he has a whole like hillside. Right, uh, they like yeah, they stuck, a, they stuck a thing in the side. Yeah, that was anyways, yeah, yeah. So the thing with Venom is Venom is how we we're talking about Kingpin being a great counterpoint to Daredevil because it was so much physically stronger and bigger. No matter how quick Daredevil is, Kingpin, if he gets a hold of you, it is it is a bad time. So right, Venom, same thing. Right, like it was something where I mean, even though the original symbiote. You know, costume that was Secret Wars number eight and original series of that. Mm, Peter Parker. Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider Man number 252 was first appearance in the regular comics. But once he detached. Well, actually. Once he detached from Peter Parker, 
and got latched onto Eddie Brock after Eddie Brock had already been established as not liking Peter Parker. Right. Then, I mean, Eddie Brock was already bigger. That was one thing that I will give this movie credit for. The size of Venom was good. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. He was like nine feet tall yeah. and gigantic. Right, right, right. Yeah. That was what we needed to see. Because having some, like Topher Grace, I get that that was not his fault. But as soon as they cast him, I was like, even if he does a Hollywood diet and puts on 50 pounds, it's not still happening. Topher Grace. Yeah, oh, you yeah. talk about back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Tom Hardy is a bigger kind of dude, even though he was skinny in this. But when he becomes Venom, nine feet tall. Yes. Right. So I liked the size of that. The CGI. What did you guys hate about the CGI? I, like, what did you hate mess. about it? I, didn't, I just didn't like the, the way that Venom looked so oily. Like, I, I understand that I he's... I told y'all, okay, for the record, <laughs> mm-hmm. shut your mouth. I complained <laughs> in our geek group mm-hmm. that I thought he looked too oily, like he was baby oiled down, and everybody was like, that said to me, that's how he's supposed to look. Before I was sir, told to, before sir, I was told to shut sir, up, sir, sir, before sir, I was told you were, to you shut up, you were in up, that group. Mm-hmm. Before I was told to shut up, you were up, in that group <clears throat> talking about he looked too oily. I said he looked too oily, B and these people said for it, he was supposed to look that Reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. Thank you. I did not like the way that he looked. He looked too oily to me. Mm-hmm. I understand. Hold on, hold on. Reclaiming my time. <laughs> I understand that he is a semi-liquid type right. entity, and I understand that's what he is. That's that's his consistency. That is the actual organism. Right. Mm-hmm. I understand that. However, now that I have seen it in motion, remember, I've been avoiding trailers. Yes, that's I've been fair. Avoiding, yes, I've been avoiding that's all fair. these things. Yes, yes, that's now fair. that I've seen it in, in motion, I do not like the way it looks, comma, Jessica. <laughs> yeah. Comma, I mean, I, I agree when... The two of them are fighting. It is awful. It is just these two yeah. blob CGI things. And they do I this like I, I'm not even kidding. I didn't even mind it. And they do this weird like slow down thing. And again, you see it in one of the trailers where the symbiotes are like pulling apart. It looks terrible. And of course, it is shot at night. They pulled a basically right, they right. pulled a Justice League. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This big fight scene. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have it at night in the dark That's and right. Hide those shadows. Hide get, the edges yeah. of that of that CGI. And yeah. probably that's how they got. Like I didn't even pay attention to that. I wasn't really paying that. I was like, I, honestly, <laughs> that makes sense because I, I just it looked like a mess, but yeah. I thought it was supposed to look that way. No, it looked. It was. I did. To, I thought. It, I thought it was supposed to look like that. So there, I, I was like, a, you see me having some. I was like this. I was no, sitting, there was a way like, to do that type of fight and make the characters distinguishable. This just did not. Yeah. But then you end up. But then. You don't want to run the risk of looking like a fight scene at the end of Black Panther. Right, right. I get it, but yeah, there was just I just I was not impressed with the CGI of it. Um, remember, I told you when I went to the to San Diego Comic Con and at the Venom panel, they said we're going to clean that up. Yeah, no. and, that, and that didn't make me feel good. I'm like, he just said we're going to clean this up. It didn't, it didn't look cleaned up. Yeah. No, I I will say that when overall, mm-hmm. I liked I liked Tom Hardy's performance. I did like. Listen to me. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. I'm just going like, <laughs> this. I'm like okay. the side eye is just you know the side eye is all over the place. I like this performance in the sense that I think he brought a certain characterization to the character. I know that's a double something. John mm-hmm. will explain what that is later. He brought double a character, right? He I think <laughs> he brought I think he brought a unique character. perspective to the character Redundant. that didn't make me like cringe. Like, Ugh, why would he do it like that? Like, I like the the lovable loser 
perspective that he kind of brought to the Eddie Brock character. I enjoyed that. Okay. I, I enjoyed physically how he kind of went back and forth, like being semi-venom. Mm-hmm. Not full venom, but like semi-venom and, and having just little spurts of mm-hmm. venomosity. Again, I'm making mm-hmm. up words here. No, I agree with you. Um, I did. I just. I did not like full venom. I yeah. didn't like how they would cheat. Like when the when the venom head would talk to him, how they just had like a fake cloud uh, of smoke was... kind of coming from behind him. Like, hey, I, I'm not even. How did I miss? How did I miss that? That fake, it was, a fake it, cloud of smoke would come. No, it was, it was when he would come from like the side. Yeah, and oh, like the venom to face would be talking to Tom Hardy, and it was yeah. like, oh yeah, that's pretty terrible. It was more. That it was, was more rough. pronounced when Riz Ahmed was talking to his. Yeah, and they they turned, and that thing still had the same angle behind him. Like. We yeah. can't do that. Uh, that. That was that was weird. That to me was when the CGI was bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what was interesting is so I was reading some of the backstory of like the process of making it. So what they did is they would have an ear they would have an earpiece in Tom Hardy. Yeah. Where he would be reciting the Venom lines, and so like they would get he would get a cue and they would start up the recording, so he would actually be hearing his own voice in his ear and responding to that. So he would As know kind of. When to cut it off and when to, that's, that's pretty like, smart. That was pretty smart. Yeah, the voice of Venom took a little bit of getting used to, but I did like it because even in the old comics, I mean, even now, certain characters in comics, and we all know this in this room, they're written in a very specific way. Yeah, and yes. so the way they talk is illustrated in front of you. Venom, the lines were always kind of jaggedy and like just weird, and it would have it was on a regular you know cartoon bubble around. Right. It would have some like texture to it, right? So you knew that it was a sketchy, weird voice. Yeah, so yeah. I I liked that aspect of it. Yeah. I liked the voice. I thought it was Keith David. I looked at his IMDb. It is not Keith David. I think it is actually Tom Hardy who recorded the lines, and then the audio engineers hmm. adjusted it, tweaked yeah. it, and that made it sense. all yeah, crazy. That makes sense. Yep, that would actually make sense. So the overall story is just dumb. It is. It, it goes. Hey, you know what? The whole entire time I was watching it, so the whole um, what was Riz Ahmed's character's name? Drake. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Drake. Because every time they kept saying Drake, I kept, I'm not even kidding you. I kept thinking the rapper. Hey. Yeah, the rapper? Who is and Riz Ahmed is a rapper also. He just came out with a new single. That's unfortunate. Him. He Good is all right. for him. <laughs> he is all right. I mean. I'm happy for him. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Um, though, like, I tend to, do tend to nitpick at the things that aren't that important. Mm-hmm. Like, why can she live in that $3 million place? Right. You know, it's like, why is the cup? full now it's empty now it's full now it's empty i think i can see the boom mic you know i I look at that nitpick at those kind of things i was watching the movie and especially after i got that that new york times article today about how climate change is going to be here like in by 2040 um when the movie interstellar came out Mm -hmm. and neil degrasse well actually tyson said just fix the one that we're on. Stop looking yeah. for a new planet. Just yeah. fix the one that yep. we're on. The whole time. So the reason that Drake's his his whole motivation, the reason that he's doing this and he's trying to find these alien life, we are destroying this planet. It's gonna fall mm-hmm. apart. So we need to find a new planet to live on. We need to find a way that we can coexist on a new planet. Now. If you have enough money to do that, mm-hmm. you have enough money to put wind turbines, solar Everywhere. panels, <laughs> and and uh, water. Um, water filtration system. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 st- what do they call it when they take the the salts out of the water? Desalinization. Desalinization. Yeah. You have the money to fix the planet mm-hmm. you're on. Yep. So to me, I felt like his 
way of doing his motivation was super weak. Yeah. This is a really, really weak thing. You are loaded. You're a the probably the wealthiest man on the planet. You're probably Or at least the, one of them yeah, in this in you're this like, kind of con- in this world that we see. You're like the the Tony Stark, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it reminds so, me of the biggest criticism with Batman. It was like this billionaire playboy has all this stuff. Instead of, you know, funding programs, now I'm going to dress as a giant bat and punch people in the face. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Remember like, that sketch on Saturday Night Live where yeah. it was like breaking arms of people who were like st- like stealing eggs, you know? Yeah. Like what? Yeah, yeah. So there's that there's that glitch there. To me, I was like, I don't care about this person. I don't care yeah. about his motivation. Mm-mm. I don't care about anything else that's happening. Like it just and the whole entire time he's like, we need to do this. We need to get like this symbi- symbiote. Really? <laughs> We need to get this to attach because we are ruining this. The whole time he's all doing this and making these excuses as to why he's basically murdering homeless people. Yeah. All I kept thinking was, my man, take your money and fix the planet then. Right. Mm-hmm. Stop crashing and rocket ships. It is one of the things, Elon Musk has enough money to do that. The government is like, no, we're good. Like Elon Musk, like the whole Hyperloop thing, we could have Hyperloop across the country, yep. easy transportation, and he has like, I'll build it. I'll design it. I'll build it. And they're like, no. Nah, but all he has to do is start on the West Coast. It'll be done. Oh, yeah. Because California already has passed their emission set. Like, they yeah. are, like, they've lowered their emissions. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, it's that type of thing where, yeah, same yeah. thing. Like, if you have I mean, that I just, I'm like, money, now, now I'm, like, gone on a tangent about a, on a climate climate change tangent. But, um, but yeah, that's why I just was like, yeah, so we're mm-hmm. ruining the planet. And then even, like, Venom's motivation got weak. Uh, his... Oof. Initially, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of." <laughs> initially, I really liked Venom. Mm-hmm. Then it got a little too. Um, um, I can tell you, it got a little too chummy. Yeah, uh, too like. Which I mean, that, sla- that not slapsticky, of, but like the, the chumminess. Be. The chumminess kind of made sense. I mean, you, he is inside your head. He right, knows, right, right, you know, right. Sure, a character choice that it makes made no sense it just, it really... every venom that i've ever read and i'm mm-hmm. not a venom reader but right. the time that times that venom has shown up in the books that i've read mm-hmm. that venom was not in there well it depends uh so they kind of base this off of the uh lethal protector miniseries which is a four-part miniseries um, where Venom was kind of trying to be a good guy and anti-hero. Right, but we're grasping at straws here. Yeah, you exactly. Can't, you, yeah. Can't, you can't go looking for the one rando book. Where Fugle Pyre, like, he was kind of doing the same thing. But you know thing. what I'm saying? You can't just find the one yeah. rando yeah, book. Yeah, these were miniseries, kinda, not yeah. total character right, right, right. arcs. You know, like he just, no, it's not happening. He's still not a good person. He yeah. still has like an ulterior motive. He still has... He's his, still a villain. He, thank you. So let, that like, was kind let, of... Let villains be villains. Yeah, so that kind of bummed me out. But yeah, his whole motivation kind of bummed me out. Him, some of his choices of things that he said bummed me out. I just... Like a turd. It's just like, where did you even... Like, that is not even... If Eddie... Now, if they had laid the seed where Eddie Brock had said that earlier in the movie, since Venom in his head, he was like, all right, cool. This, you know, this is something he would say. Mm-hmm. Nope, that was a Venom line. Yeah. Like, that was... That was weird. The power set... <clears throat> the power set was really cool. It reminded me of like, do you guys remember the Super Nintendo game Maximum Carnage? Yes, yes. I do. The, like that was what it reminded me of. So that was again, if the CGI had been better, that would have been cool because yeah, he was stretching his arm, grabbing somebody, swinging them in a circle, hitting other people. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that was what we did in the video game. That was nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know if an R rating would have made this movie better because it was pretty. No, it was. It was pretty violent from jump. Yeah, there was yeah. some. There was some implied violence, but yeah, there there was some. Like I know Jess flinched when. Uh, 
there was bones sticking from the leg. That's so gross. Ugh. Compound fractures are nasty. Yeah. yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. Do you have like screws? And no. Uh, we'll go into that later. Oh, okay. I, I think what got me was uh, I was actually like the first 30 minutes of the movie, I was actually thinking like, this isn't as bad as people are saying. <laughs> like, what are they right. talking about? And then Venom starts talking, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I get it. And, I mean, he just says little things like, I was a loser just like you. And I'm like, uh, how do you have a concept of that? Well, I mean. Right. I know yeah. he's in his head. Yeah, he's in I, his head, but, I mean, it, it that was just a weird thing. Because, I mean, the Venom symbiote race, the Clintars, I think, something like that. I mean, there were several of them in the comics that kind of became Venom's children, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to have Venom be like, I was a loser on my home planet, just like you're a loser here. We're best friends now. And it was like, wait, what? My name is Venom. Like, they have the word Venom in your language? No. His name is Riot. That ha- They have that word in your language? No. And they all developed those names. In the comics, they all developed those names over different things. There was right. Toxin, Anti-Venom, which was really lazy. Come on now, guys. Uh, like, Slicer, like, you know, Thrash, Carnage. things like that. Carnage, of course. But yeah, um, that was pretty weird. Do you guys actually, real quick, do you know the story of how Venom came to be? Not the Secret Wars story, like where the symbiote came from, but the actual idea? I do not know, but I'm sure you will share that with us. So, <laughs> let me push up my glasses. Uh, the actual idea for the Venom symbiote and that whole concept was from a fan who wrote a letter to Marvel. They had a... What year? 1982. Okay. They had a thing where like, hey, if you have an idea for a comic, let us know. They're like, uh-huh. damn, Marvel? Really? Reach out to the fans be like, please, let us know. Hey, it worked. So, a, a writer or a, a guy wrote in, uh, Randy Schuler, I think his name was, wrote in was like, hey, I have this concept where Spider-Man's powers could get augmented, you know, base, maybe base it off of the Fantastic Four's morphing suit technology where it stays on their body, but it, you know, it is unstable molecules, whatever. So they wrote him back and they were like, cool, we'll buy it. Like, we'll just buy this idea from you. You'll get a chance to write some of it if you want to, blah, blah. Guess how much they paid him for this idea? 300 bucks. Like 100 bucks. Close. $220. Ah, uh, he wins. Close is not going over. Price is right rules. Uh, so yeah, they paid him $220 for the But I mean, ideas. 1982, that's still a good amount of money. Yeah. My parents more. That was $536 in today's dollars. Oh, that's nothing. Nothing. Oh, well. Nothing. Well. It reminds me very much of the Jerry Seigel, Joe Schuster, Superman problems they had in the 30s when they sold Superman yeah. for a couple hundred dollars, which in 1938 was huge. It's a lot of money, yeah. Billion dollar franchise. Oh, for sure. So, Randy, but yeah, the fact that a fan wrote to Marvel and was like, hey, this is an idea for a character. And they, they ran with it and they paid him. They did their due diligence it's just like that sucks he was kicking himself for the rest of his life he said it was paint like the first time he saw i think it was um spectacular spider-man 252 and he is swinging in in his classic clothes in the the black suit Uh, i had that issue um he said it like it it was hard to like see that idea right there oh yeah but i mean he yeah It's, it's like the um that stupid story that justin timberlake tells in the um social network movie Remember he's oh. he, remember he's supposed to, and he tells the, the Victoria's Secret story yeah, yeah. about how mm-hmm. the guy who sold Victoria's Secret to whatever to whoever yeah for that money and then it, now it's like this mm-hmm. billion dollar company and like you know yep. it's the same thing it's like you I mean it yourself. was but Steve, that's why Steve Wozniak-y. you listen to the Solange album right 
briefly, not intently. How have you not listened to that and had that like on yeah. repeat? Yeah. Um, but she has Master P in it, mm. and he mm. makes a comment about how they wanted to buy um, No, no Limit, Limit for like a oh. million dollars, and he was like, "If this white man wants to give me one million dollars, that must mean that I'm worth it ten, maybe twenty million dollars." If they want, mm. you know, like he was smart yeah, enough, yeah. but he also went to college. Yeah. But he's smart enough right. to know better. You know what I mean? He said, if, and you know, in his country, Louisiana voice, he's yeah. like, if the white man would want to offer me a million dollars, then that must mean it must be worth, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, if somebody's offering you the yeah. money, yeah. the art of negotiation, my friend, like you have to know. And it was one of, what is funny is you can actually see a scan of the letter that Marvel sent to him. And it was like, attached is a work for hire form. Just fill this out with your social security number. We'll send you the payment. <laughs> man, I hope they broke him off with something later on, man. Nope. Because that was a pivotal point in the uh, stored character. It, that's how businesses, it, though. It huh? changed. That's, how yeah. that's, what, that's, what, that's why lawyers exist. You know, that's why law, yeah. lawsuits happen. Yeah, but uh, it was the first major change in Spider-Man. I mean, then they went crazy with it. They did Spider-Man 2099. He had an armored costume for a while. Not the nice Iron Spider one. This one was like silver and shiny. It was dumb. But yeah, so that was, that was just cool. Randy Schuler, a little tidbit for you guys. Nerd. Uh, Thank you. So, the official rating dun, system dun, dun, dun. for the About to Review podcast. There are three choices. No letter grades, no stars. Three choices are good, bad, or ugly. A good film is something you would recommend to a friend. Bad film, you came out of the theater and you're like, meh. It was not terrible, but I would not see it again. Ugly, avoid at all costs. So, of the three choices, good, bad, or ugly, we will start with the curly nerd herself. Jess, what do you give Venom? I give Venom a bad. The movie wasn't a good movie, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed it while I sat there. See? There was only a couple of times where I was like, you've got to be kidding me. There's only a couple. Yeah. There was only a couple. I didn't do it the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But there was like, it wasn't Batman versus Superman bad. Oh, but man. it wasn't. To me, it yeah. wasn't Batman versus Superman bad. But there was a couple of times where I was like, this is not good. And then yeah. there were some times where I was like, oh, this isn't, like, honestly, there was a, for quite a few times where I went, this movie's not that bad. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking and to then, myself, yeah. I spoke too soon, mm-hmm. and then it was something really bad, yeah. you know? So, like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the action. I, I like the, the the car chase scenes and stuff, even though I was like, San Francisco's not that big, and yeah. those streets in Chinatown are really small, mm-hmm. and you clearly have gone in circles because I'm seeing the same sign mm-hmm. in the background. Um, but I, I do love action. I love a car chase scene. Yeah. I will always love it. I love The Matrix 2 for the car chase scene. Oh, uh, different clothes. They built a two-mile highway. Yeah, I love a car chase scene. Yeah. I love a car chase scene. So I'm going to have to give it a bad. Movie, honestly, is pretty okay. trash, but I enjoyed it. I had a good time watching it. Listeners of the Curly Nerd Podcast will hear that frequently. Yeah. Just be like, this movie is trash. But I kind of liked it. I was entertained. Right. Are you not entertained? Right. I was entertained. If I'm not even, I mean, you know I am. Yeah. If I'm entertained, I'm happy. I paid this money. You entertained me. It wasn't the best thing in the world. Right. It's like getting bad pizza, right? You're still going to eat it. It's not good, but you'll still eat it. Fair. You know, right? You know what Fair. I'm saying? Like, it's like when you go to a buffet, you can find something there to eat. You know, like you, you can pick something out. It's not like Prometheus bad where I want to <sighs> like, like actually slice <sighs> my eyelids off. Mm-hmm. I want to do. I want to be like the Joker, cut my face off and sew it back on. Kind of oh, like yeah. that's the kind of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of pain that I want to yeah. give myself from watching that movie twice in the theater in mm. the same weekend and not understanding why I would do such a thing. But because I'm a good friend and my friend wanted to see it. There and you go. There you it's go. not Prometheus bad. Okay. It's not Batman vs Superman bad. It's just bad. Fair. All right, Damien. Official rating: good, bad, or ugly? I would also give it a bad. Okay. Um, as I said before, I thought. 
of the first 30 minutes was it it made me believe that it wouldn't be as bad as me i too. thought it would be yep me too got him <laughs> but then when yeah. i saw the actual symbiote symbiote now nah. just to trigger your ad mm. d um <laughs> hd yeah one of those all yeah those, just keep adding these. letters yeah um once i saw once i saw the oiliness oily oiliness Mm-hmm. of the symbiote i was like yeah he was triggered because i used to be a football team in his yeah uh... okay <laughs> it's all good i mean wow. we, we, we still have one we have one now we also still have a basketball team oh the, okay. basketball team though. but i think the 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 thing that i appreciate about the movie is that it doesn't take itself too seriously like you mentioned, Batman versus Superman, Justice mm-hmm. League. They try, yeah, yeah, they yeah really, really hard to take they themselves seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, obvious. Yeah, you're right. Bombed yeah, miserably. Right. This one, like, I actually feel better now about taking my niece to see it uh-huh. because uh-huh. I know she's not going to have the same hangups that I do, and she'll actually enjoy this. Oh movie. yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it's on the it's surface. It's already made two hundred million dollars. Right? Yeah, it already, yeah, it already made like yeah, globally. internationally. Yeah, globally, two hundred million dollars yeah. already. Oh, globally, globally, not here. Domestically, it is. But that theater was seventy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The theater that we were in was relatively packed. Yeah, relatively. it yeah. was. It was. First, uh, second weekend. Yeah. Sure is. This week. is the wait. Opening. No, this no, is the first yeah, weekend. No, this is the opening first weekend. weekend. Opening I didn't weekend. think about that. Well, because I missed the Seattle press screening because I was right, flying yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. See, that's how I was getting. I I get my dates mixed up. It's okay. Light flex. Light flex. Right. <laughs> but I think at its core, it is a fun, quote unquote, superhero movie, antihero movie. Mm-hmm. The thing I like about it is there were some parts that were kind of graphic. But the actual fighting, I felt like, was not graphic, which I, I kind of appreciate. Right. Like, you didn't see too many, like, just vulgar stabs. It was no. a lot of, you know, throwing and tossing. And it was, that. I mean, a lot of it was, did I just bite that guy's head off? Like, it yeah. was that. It, it was, was not implied. showing. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. I was You actually don't about. see any, wait, other than the leg, the compound fracture, did we see any other blood? Oh yeah, we saw a couple of people after yeah. some stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. But it was not. It was well, not. I, know, yeah. I was thinking the same thing because that's how my family yeah. is. You know, my when we recommend movies, right. I, th- I was th- I was doing that too. While I was watching. I'm like, can I recommend this to my dad, or would he be like, why'd you tell me to watch this yeah. movie? Yeah, it's, it, it wasn't too bad. It's it's a it's a bad, but you know, within the confines of the rating system, mm-hmm. it's not terrible and avoidable. I think if you just want something that's a little bit escapist, doesn't okay. take itself too seriously, check it out. Um, just know that it's not really good yep. at all. The script does suffer quite a bit, but it's just it's just enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you give it? My official rating. My first, my gut reaction watching most of this was that it was ugly. Yeah. Because it was just there were too many. There were yes, those were those moments like we all talked about. Where it was like, oh, it's actually like this is a decent yeah. performance, but none of the characters have cast- chemistry. Yeah. Michelle Williams got to go. Not at why was all. she even there? Not a, but I said I looked at Damien and I was like looking at the, of course Becky would go running towards the gun violence uh, every time she runs into like there there's machine guns every going time. off yeah. she runs towards it and she sees when the first time she sees Venom like and not just like Tom Hardy like she sees Venom yeah and then transition to Tom Hardy she was like oh are, we need to get you to the hospital I was like did you not see yeah. what just happened like to the hospital a now. nine foot tall like, alien like so just nobody had any chemistry at all. The storyline did not make sense. It was a CGI mess. Right. So I mean, I, I really wanted to give this an ugly. And th- but there were uh, there were a couple parts of it where it was still somewhat decent. So I give it a bad. But man, like it it was. It's shredding that fine line of ugly. Very very because it was just. Mm. I will never. I will not watch this again. Um. I don't think I will either. 
I have no choice. Uh, no, for, I oh, sat okay. there and I was like, when I watch this again, I'm like, I think I could watch this again. And then when the ending came, I was like, no, nah, I don't need to see it again. You don't need, That's the other nah. thing too. It's like, is it bad enough that I would never watch it again? I would watch it if I'm flipping through channels and it just happens to come on. I'm like, oh, okay. Right, maybe. Might I'll sit here for maybe. And yeah. watch it. Yeah, so I give it a bad, but yeah, real, real close to ugly. Uh, okay, so yeah, to wrap it up, all three bads for Venom. Uh, it is at this time that I will throw to those interviews that I alluded to earlier. So the cast of Origin and the cast and creators of Lore. So enjoy those on this episode. And then I will also be doing a separate episode of just those interviews uh, later on this week. And then we will be right back to do our wrap up. So enjoy the interviews. What you are about to listen to are the interviews that I conducted while attending New York City Comic Con this past weekend in beautiful New York, of course. These were roundtable style interviews, which basically means it was me and a bunch of other press outlets sitting at the table and they would just bring the talent, sit them down. We had a very short amount of time. We pretty much just got one question and then they would have to go on to make sure that everybody had their shot. So first is the uh, cast of the new show on YouTube premium called Origin. It is debuting on November 14th. The show is called Origin. It was created and one of the writers is Mika Watson. And then Tom Felton was at the table as well. So this first question that I asked them was, what was a vision or aspect of the future that was important, that was crucial for her to bring forward into her new show? And this was what she had to say. Hmm. That's quite a hard question. I guess it was really important to have a... Because every episode we're in kind of a different part of the planet, and I think it was really important to keep... I don't know, to think about where that particular country would be at that time. Um, so, you know, we kind of have the history of every place that we go to and we think really deeply about it. And what we want to show, like, what could have happened to America or what could have happened to Japan and to make those feel really distinct and, I guess, as authentic as we can make them. Yeah, I'll chime in on that. It feels, again, it doesn't feel like the future to me. It feels like something that's almost now, but it is... We just, yeah, it doesn't feel like one of those things that's a few hundred years ahead. It feels like something that we, we could possibly see in our lifetime, and I think from what I've read, I haven't seen, obviously, all the episodes, but from the uh, from, from cutting back to the native countries, it feels very familiar and yet different to what we know the countries to be now. So. The next people to join the table were three of the actors from this new series, Natalia Tena, Sen Mitsuji, and Philip Christopher. Now, in the show, this futuristic horror sci-fi show, there is this internal debate of who is crew versus who is passenger on this ship and what that means and how that plays out between the characters. So what I asked all three of them is if they could be a crew or a passenger in any other sci-fi franchise, what would it be? So Natalia answered first, then Sen Mitsuji, and then Philip Christopher uh, gave the last answer. I want to be Darth Vader. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'd love to be Darth Vader. And uh, he's kind of the captain of all the crews <laughs> of the Death Star, so that's me done. You just want to be able to do this, don't yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to move anything. Pizza, come. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, 
I don't know if it's passenger or crew, but I want to go to June. I want to ride one of the ones. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Arrakis? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I want to, yeah, I want to hang out with the Fremen. Or the Freeman. I don't know how you pronounce Freeman? It. Yeah. yeah, Freeman. Nice. Michael? Um, I think it would be Star Wars too. If, it, do we have to? It has to be a show that's already established. No, you, oh, okay. Oh, any, well, I, I mean, again, yes. books like you mentioned. I'm a huge Star Wars geek, so I'll be Yoda. Yes. <laughs> Something like that, like some, I, I don't know. Or passenger nothing is further from Baum than Yoda. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just so fun. Sage I can, you know, just put on some funny ears and stuff. Um, but yeah, well, maybe crew then. Like if it's it's a passenger crew thing, because I've been a passenger now, so it would be crew, Captain Kirk. Nice. Yeah, we can that all one. answer this one exactly the same. Cell 50, the, the set they oh, had the Oh, really? God. Every surface was every surface was jagged at head height. It was oh, great. The rest of everyone but the cast were wearing hard hats by the end of the thing. Why would you secure the talent with hard hats? That just that, that is ridiculous. Yeah. No, but and also because of the look that they were going for, there was kind of this weird slime. Everywhere, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. as well. Concrete floor. And so, and it's everyone for everyone for very funny. So to me, it was just looking at Tom helped me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> just looking at him just scared the shit out of me. He was, he was, yeah, no, it is a joke. No, never mind. So self, self, self. Tom with all the all the crap all down the front of him for like half of the series. Yes, a lot yeah. of blood. The next roundtable set of interviews that I was able to do was with the executive producers and the creator and some of the actors from season two of the new show on Amazon video called Lore. Now, this show is based off of the incredibly popular podcast created by Aaron Menke that came out a few years ago, really blew up, and they produced season one last year for Amazon video. Season two is dropping very soon. And so I was able to sit down with them. The first interview that you will hear is with the executive producer, Howard T. Owens, and of course, the creator of the podcast. And he obviously has some involvement in this now season two of Lore. And so when I asked them, kind of going from a purely audio medium to then this hybrid storytelling that they are doing, that they did with season one, and that continues through season two, what is the biggest challenge that they have been working through now with season two, going from that purely audio medium into hybrid storytelling. The challenge is, you know, the, the user experience for both is incredibly different. Like on the podcast, you have your earbuds in and you're driving or you're doing whatever, but you are intimately connected one-on-one -on -one with the author, auteur of that podcast, right? That means generally you're focused. You don't have people listening to podcasts, reading papers, or listening to podcasts, having other conversations, right? You, you listen to a podcast, you're in it. TV's different. It's oftentimes a shared experience. Um, it is not as much a lean in as a lean back experience, right? So what we learned, what we try to do in season one is take what worked from the podcast, share all of this great historically accurate information maintain and keep that scary connection right but you know we, we try to probably in a weird way we probably tried to pay a little too much homage to the podcast in season one we were all huge fans we're huge fans of Aaron um, we were all in it together this is all of us right it wasn't like you know in season two I'd say you you tell them you, well, you know, you know. I mean, 
it's, I think it's easy to say, look, this, the podcast was super successful, so let's not rock the boat. Let's keep it as similar as possible and move it into TV. And we tried that. But we also realized along the way that fans interact with the content differently in a TV show than they do in a podcast. And, and how can we adjust the storytelling process to fit those needs? So we did that. And I think the other thing that we really learned and this goes part and parcel with uh, what we said, though. The podcast has so much, mm -hmm. so much history, different parts of history, uh, contemporary to hundreds of years ago, right? It's all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think we were so ambitious and like with our archive and with our animation and with our graphics and our CGI and all of that, we, it was a little all over the place. We tried to be all things to all people. When you watch the show this year, you know you're, even though the episodes are totally different, different characters, you know you're watching lore. Yeah. There's a consistency, consistency to tone that I'm very proud of. When executive producer Gail Ann Hurd and showrunner Sean Crouch joined the table, I asked them with the tumultuous times that we're going through right now in 2018, what are some of the current storylines or themes, things that are happening right now that in 50 or maybe 100 years could then become folklore. So Sean actually uh, started answering uh, the question. So and yeah, there was a really good conversation. Again, it, it was short, but I really liked their answers to that question of what modern things that we're seeing right now could one day become folklore. I think almost almost everything in the past three years, you know, every time you say fake news, that is, in a hundred years, things that we know for a fact right now are fake. We know in a hundred years, people will know them as true. That's just how history works, unfortunately, a lot of times. And so I think that's a lot of what we're going to see in a hundred years or 50 years from now, if, if we exist. <laughs> uh, what do I think about uh, <laughs> the stories? Well, I, I think that, um, I think that there will be stories that deal with how we could have made these mistakes and not known where we are headed off a cliff. I mean, I think if you look at the, the, the days and the months leading up to the Hitler and the Holocaust, you know, there were so many people who just looked the other way. And I think that, I think that we're living in those times now of, of real rhetoric that explains a lot of things. I mean, we deal with that in the series. We deal with Prague clock, with, with um, Prague going, undergoing uh, the Black Plague, and they felt they'd been cursed. Well, listen to all the, the, a lot of the evangelicals who are basically saying, we're bringing this on ourselves. It's God's punishment. So, you know, so in that case, a lot of the blame fell on immigrants. You know, and I think the one thing about the, the cycle of history is that it continues to repeat itself, sadly. Two of the actors from season two of Lore, Josh Bowman and Alicia Witt, joined the table and I asked them what the biggest challenge has been or was doing more of a one-shot style story as opposed to a series that you have that time to build up your character. So Alicia actually answered this one. I think the challenge is to tell an entire story in a very in finite period of time yeah. where you don't have the luxury of an entire season in which to develop specific aspects of these characters. And, mm. and we jumped around a bit in time. Mm. So 
we're, we're, we can only see a glimpse of these characters at, in different years and yeah. different moments. Yeah. And there's also a real element of fantasy and surrealism about the way in which our story is told, which comes from Sean's incredible mind. Um, so I think that's that was a yeah. He, so in the beginning, challenge. the first shot is is so we, we know if you may or may not know he blows himself up. Mm-hmm. Um, Spoiler alert! Right. <laughs> um, but in the laboratory, he drops the beaker full of this uh, very very explosive um, liquid. While that beaker is dropping, we tell the story. So right. it's forty minutes as this beaker is dropping to end his life effectively. Um, beautiful love story about these two people um and uh yeah i won't say any more than that but that's the so in that condensed time that's what we do and it's really a, a, a playing back in his head and it's it's he sees her and all her beauty and 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 sees his life and it, it's in flashes it's, it's really as if your life flashes before your eyes that's our story the last of the lore roundtable interviews I got to sit down with another two actors who are in season two of Lore, Ellie Haddad and Thomas Kreshman. So on the first thing that I asked them, we did kind of a word association game because I never really want to ask the same types of questions all the time. So we did word association. So I asked them to tell me the first thing that came into their mind when I said fear and when I said nightmare. They both gave very interesting answers uh, to those questions, and you will hear Thomas first, and then Ellie. Slaughter. Slaughter. Then. Okay. Spirit. Spirit. Yeah. I like that. And then uh, next one, real quick. Nightmare. Ooh. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> Vengeance. Yeah, the, uh, the the slaughter is is a big part of uh, of the episode I'm in. Uh, there's uh, six people slaughtered. I'm the detective there uh, who has who has been brought in to to solve the case. The case, by the way, is still not solved. Well, a hundred years later. So, uh, but um, it's a nice little movie about me fishing around and trying to figure out what's going on. After the show, we had we had bets like who did it, you know. The director has one opinion, mm. I had another one. So we went like that, yeah. So the, so that's the slaughter. The murder is um, yeah, it's also part of the show, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I thought you weren't just in my personal nightmares, right? <laughs> A lot of murder going on. The scripts were amazing. Uh, they were creepy enough and. And it's, uh, it's shot so brilliantly because we also had a lot of freedom, not us as actors, um, because we don't decide what to do, but, um, but uh, the director, Christoph Schreiber, for example, he came to when I interviewed him in the beginning before we started shooting. Uh, so what are the restrictions? What do we do? And he was like, we do whatever we want, you know, which is great. It's rarely the case that uh, nowadays that you can do whatever you want. Uh, they only... Uh, the only rule is has to be good. Uh, I was really honored to, uh, to be telling a true story, a legend itself. Uh, the fact that if you go to Prague today and ask people about the curse of the Allage, uh, you will hear 200 different versions, easy. Um, and so I had that script that for me was the true legend, the story that we will be telling. 
and um, and yeah, it was it was it was more the historical part, and we were in Prague, so for me it was a luxury and a privilege. The last question that I was able to ask Ellie and Thomas, because season two delved deep into horror, a little bit different than season one. Season one had those episodes that were definitely scary and very creepy that maintained throughout season one. Season two, though, is definitely horror focused. So I asked both Ellie and Thomas what the last thing to frighten them was. So Thomas gave a really interesting answer at first, and then he elaborated a little bit more, and then Ellie gave gave his answer. So yeah, I really liked both of their answers to these questions. You know, I'm pretty fearless. <laughs> I escaped from East Germany, seriously, and uh, since then, I, uh, I've, I've found myself being fearless. But then I had kids, you know, <laughs> and they teach you being afraid. <laughs> so my kids taught me fear. In general, all day, every day, about everything. Well, me, uh, what frightens me, to be honest with you, is, is, is how today, and it's been the same, I feel like it's been the same thing since uh, everything started, is how people treat each other. And, and I, I feel like also uh, in this season, that's what we're talking about. It's, it's those people have lived what they lived. They have done what they've done. And they probably have a reason for it, but um, I'm just concerned about how 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 we treat each other. In my episode, definitely, definitely. I don't know if I should talk about it because it was more like an. No, you shouldn't like, because you only talk about it and then you say like, <laughs> I I should tell you that I cannot tell you what's going on because we are no, but <laughs> it's no because because you know you have personal feelings when you read something you know when you read something um, it, it's personal right we we are all different we all feel uh, things differently uh, but for me those two Turks brothers uh, coming to Prague with uh, fake identities they have a knowledge they can bring something they can be part of of, of a society and help people uh, we give them that chance and then we see we wait for they're gonna do it or not and and see what's gonna happen and I feel that this could be very very easily uh, related to what's going on today in the world with all those immigrants and the arc is always important and and uh, and I I find it I find it nicer I find I, I like it better to have an arc within one episode or one movie so I'm a I'm kind of like a movie actor, you know, and uh, so in in this case, it's instead of a one and a half or two hour movie, it's an hour movie. So it's the same arc. It's a, it's a close story. Um, it's also nice if you have, um, for me, for me as an actor, to have to have a limited series, you know, where you have the arc going like from the beginning of the first episode till the end of the last episode. What I'm not a big fan of, but that's also me personally, is stuff where it just goes on and on and on for the sake of going on, you know, because then very clearly um, 
Um, the goal is to to invent something on top of it and add something else and add something else because it's a money machine, you know. So this is really fun because it's uh, it's done it's done with passion. It's done for for the subject and for the for the love of it and uh, and. We had six great stories, so we have six great movies, and that's about it. You can answer. Okay. Then <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, I just started my acting career, if I can talk about a career. Uh, so I haven't had the chance to work on a, on a whole season. Uh, so for me, I really took it as a film. Um, I had the privilege and the chance to play one of the leads, so my character will start from one emotional point and finish to another state and go through that arc and journey was was absolutely amazing for me uh, so I just worked on it as as I was being taught in school you know break down the script break down the character work on the arc um, every day on set know where am I in this you know arc and 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 try to do my best um, so I just yeah it was like a film so thank you again to everybody who gave me the chance to sit down and interview them as short as it was. I, it was just cool to be there. I mean, that sounds totally cliche, you know, but I had a seat at the table and it was just interesting kind of being a part of this. Uh, what? Solange. You said, you, you said seat at the, I'm like, that's Solange. Why aren't you listening to Solange? Oh, yeah, no. Seat at the table. Yeah. So it was, just, it was really cool. So I hope you enjoyed that. Make sure to, you know, reach out to the actors or creators and let them know. They're like, hey, I heard your interview on the About to Read podcast. That would be really cool. I will be tagging everybody uh, who was on those interviews in the show notes. You can follow them below. Uh, upcoming things for the About to Read podcast, First Man. Uh, I'm seeing that pretty much, actually, the day I arrive back in Seattle in like three hours after we get back. So I always saying that. Uh, the Hate You Give, which now is kind of going to have a little bit more sentimental you know, attachment because unfortunately, yeah, she just passed away from cancer. Uh, she had been battling... Yeah, she had mm-hmm. been battling for a couple years silently. Uh, and then Vancouver International Film Festival. Uh, they, I think, are going to be sending me some screeners. I was unable to go there. But, yeah, so that should be on an upcoming episode. And then Jess and Damien of the Curly Nerd Podcast. Where can people find you both on social media? I am at... Actually, <laughs> One place. Oh, no, two places. Yeah, I'm at J- JDC <laughs> O'Brien on Twitter mm-hmm. and JD O'Brien on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And we're at It's the Curly Nerd everywhere. At it's yeah, it's the Curly Nerd dot com at It's the Curly Nerd, all the good stuff. And um, I'm still at Damian Randall, but I'm still kind of on the hiatus <laughs> and enjoying it right now. Yeah, you are. It's nice. I mm-hmm. love it. Nice, chilling. So yeah, those links will be in the show notes below. The Curly Nerd podcast is back from its summer vacation hiatus. Yeah. So now they're back in October. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, the latest episode that they released was an episode. Uh, a Captain Collaboration episode we did with Tim Captain Hall, the People's Collaboration. Critic. I never call it that. Um, I was listening to it the other day. That was one of the like my favorite times. Yeah, it was funny. It's hilarious. It was, it was awesome. And it was a recovered file. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, so definitely check that out. So for this episode of the About to Review podcast, thank you for listening. Thank you again to everybody at New York uh, Comic Con and the interviewees. I have been joined by... Curly Nerd Jess. And... D. Randall, Life in Shambles. Wow. And I've been your host, that guy named John. We will see you next time. 
Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.